Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It is Crown Corner back here with you as we get you ready for the stretch drive of the MLS season. Eight games remaining, four home, four road, and it begins on Saturday when Charlotte FC welcomes DC United to the table and Charlotte right now three points behind D.C. in the MLS Eastern Conference standings. A win would draw them even with D.C. They would need some other results to go their way in order to at least have that remain with them and have nobody else in between them. But it's at least a good situation for Charlotte FC to be in here with a squad in D.C. who's had some different form when it comes to some struggles and obviously a lot of players out on injury. Charlotte FC relatively healthy. But, Jess, I think the one thing we have to touch on before we get into D.C. is the way the last two contests ended. Unfortunately, Charlotte FC, while they've been defined by a lot of great buildup in the last three contests against L.A., Orlando, and Nashville, it's unfortunately become also defined by disappointing finishes in those last two results against both Orlando and Nashville. Oh, well, I was hoping with the long break we wouldn't have to touch on it, but I know we have to, and it just is so painful, isn't it? It's heartbreaking the way those two matches have ended where you felt that you have the opportunity to get three points and you collapse in the last minute, individual errors, disappointing moments, lack of focus. It's difficult to put your finger on what it is, but as we keep going back to repeating, 21 points drop from winning positions, the worst in the entire MLS. And I think what makes it so frustrating is you look back at how many of those late points dropped are as part of an individual error or as part of something that feels preventable and it just felt like yet again the penalty call and i get it people are worried it was a bit soft maybe once the decision's gone it feels like the against nashville we always get penalties given against mm-hmm. us and they're always ones where once it's given it's not clear and obviously an error so they're not going to go back and look at it the biggest slide that we both have is how long was on the clock, where that Fergie time came from. Alas, it's at the end of the day, when you put your coaching shoes on, you've got to put the game to bed earlier. And I think that's the biggest thing right now. Charlotte SE leaves games available for oppositions to be able to come in and spoil the party. And that has to change. And that's kind of what Christian Latanzio said in his comments a couple of hours ago before we recorded this. He said, look, you know, we shouldn't make things uh, so precarious that we'd need those last minutes to be able to defend and suffer and have those scenarios or need late game heroics. Uh, the part about the 21 points dropped from winning positions, the part that stands out to me is the optimistic side of it is that we're getting ourselves out ahead against teams, which is something I don't think we were able to say a lot of times last year until at least the end of the season. So that's the one thing I feel like is incredibly encouraging. You know, we're getting out on the front foot. Uh, we've seen probably more chances created in the last three games than uh, we've seen on balance over the course of much of this season. The unfortunate part about it is, is that we've not been able to shake, as you said, 
the individual errors and and obviously the inconsistency down the stretch. Uh, no team has less clean sheets than Charlotte FC does going into match day 32. And, you know, as a goalkeeper, that one pains me. It absolutely pains me that we haven't been able to go matches without conceding goals. Three clean sheets on the entire season. That's just not a stat that any defensive team is happy about. And I think right now our defenders almost play with more pressure because they know that they have to defend for their lives because we're not necessarily scoring goals for fun in numerous matches. It's interesting you brought up chances created. I do think our team is more free-flowing in the attack. We've got different dimensions in the attack. The issue is we're creating chances, but we're not getting on them on frame. I look back at the stats mm -hmm. against Nashville. Two shots on target. I think it's 12 or 13 shots created. That's a decent amount of shots, but when you're only keeping two on target, you don't want to point fingers, but it's all too easy to look at defences when you have the worst defensive record in the league. But at the same time, how is our attack doing? And I think Latanzio is pointing fingers at that as well, that the attackers need to take a little bit of pressure off of our defence by scoring goals. And it's something that was brought up specifically uh, in his presser. He was asked a question, was Latanzio about uh, putting, Lata uh, putting uh, excuse me, uh, Carol Svidersky and... Enzo Capetti on the pitch together. We know Enzo has come back into form, uh, drew the penalty against Orlando that helped Charlotte FC get themselves on the board in that contest. Svidersky's been subbed off uh, in both contests in the last two, which I think has made him somewhat frustrated and has brought up some of the uh, departure rumors again with uh, Carroll. The roster freeze happens tonight, so it's not like he's going to depart now. It'll probably be if it does happen uh, in the winter window. But at least from, from my perspective, Jess, I look at this and I'm saying you want to get your best 11 on the pitch. Do those two count on the field together as your best 11? Or is it a situation where they've probably had a relationship devolve to where it's almost more uh, damaging to the team to put them on the field together? Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? It, it? It's very odd. We don't obviously know what happens behind the scenes, but you would think on paper and from little glimpses we've seen from these two players that they should be able to play on the pitch together. We've seen that Carroll, when he plays for the national team, is very comfortable playing underneath another number nine. So it's definitely not something that neither of these players are capable of. It's more whether they are willing to do so or have the chemistry to do so or whether Latanzio sees it as a detriment to the team. But I think when you look from the outside in, how many teams in MLS complain about when they have designated players injured and they're not able to field it and how, oh, it's such a disadvantage. We couldn't put our three designated players on the pitch. Well, Charlotte has three designated players available right now. They have that at their disposal for the first time in a long time. And mm -hmm. yet we're choosing not to do it. That's a bit confusing when you sign designated players to be the players that change matches for you. And you could throw Juzviak in that mix too, because he's somebody who has, you know, been dropped out of the lineup at times for not being himself on form. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like if, if there was a summation disappointment, is that the inconsistency of our designated players this season has been something that is marvelous in all the wrong reasons and wrong ways. I mean, Svidersky's had very good moments this season. He's got seven goals, but it doesn't necessarily feel like he's having that same impact like he had a year ago, at least en masse. And even Capetti, while he had a great impact early, and even so with the penalty, he's been injured. And while Juzviak had that great run of play before he got injured against Atlanta, uh, we've yet to see that player resurface for Charlotte FC. Yeah, it's been really difficult. What has been good is our uh, 
base players, right? Our departmental players. You look at players like Brown Bronico, Derek Jones, our youth players coming in from Crown Legacy, Andrew Privet, you know, Patrick Argyman. You've got players that are stepping up and making names for themselves that aren't on those big paychecks. And that's a bit of a problem in a league like MLS where you have to use your designated players to set you apart from opponents. If your three designated players are not in your top 11, that is going to be detrimental to your success, unfortunately. I, I want to talk about the two Burnley boys because uh, we had Ashley Westwood on uh, for the weekly visit with the uh, media this week. And I asked him about Scott Arfield, about how he's kind of had a flair for the dramatic. He's had a couple of late goals already for Charlotte FC, including uh, the one in Nashville. And uh, it just seems like Scotty always finds those areas. And, and how much have we been wanting uh, a guy to kind of get into those areas as an attacking midfielder uh, to be on the other end of some of those sent-in balls and some of those hit-and-hope crosses. Uh, he's not only found the back of the net in those, but I feel like he's a, a nightmare for teams to defend, especially in late close contests. Yeah, and when you're bringing off Scott Arfield off of the bench with fresh legs against fatigued defenders, then it's a, a recipe for success, right? And I think... You can see when Scott comes onto the pitch, he's got a point to prove. I don't think he expected to find himself coming off of the bench like he has done uh, or he did do so against Nashville. And I think that's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, which can only make for good things, right? We talk about competition breeding success. They called him Mr. Saturday Night for a reason when he was playing in Rangers. And that's because he was able to bring, you know, the energy on a Saturday and he continues to do that. And I've got a lot of friends that are Rangers supporters that couldn't believe that he was heading out. They wanted him for another season. You can see anytime Charlotte FC posts something with Scott Arfield <laughs> in, they're not happy that he's not there because of him still having that capability. And I think that's a big, you know, we've been a little critical of the designated players, but I think we have to give credit where it's due with the front office nailing the signing of Arfield at this stage of his career, nailing Ashley Westwood, who I got a text from a, a friend that is a Nashville fan. And he said, you know, Ashley Westwood's a class above. Like you can tell that he's just a different gravy of player. And that is a big compliment to Charlotte FC to have two players that could still play at elite levels overseas wanting to be playing for this club. Yeah, I've definitely seen a uh, an uptick in the amount of uh, Scottish followers and uh, people who are in my mentions about uh, Charlotte FC players anytime we, we see something uh, or a salute from Scotty. Uh, it does look like, according to what Christian Latanzio said, that Breck Diahare will feature, whether that's off the bench or in the starting lineup, I think remains to be seen. He did believe that he will be available for selection after, unfortunately, having a hamstring injury on the midweek uh, last uh, last time out against Orlando, last time at home, I should say. And from Diahare's standpoint, Jess, I look at this and I say, uh, that's a welcome return uh, if it does happen in the starting lineup because I think you and I were both kind of blown away by what he was able to do with an instant impact against L.A. and, and have that uh, presence of mind in the wing position that we really haven't seen from anybody, at least at this point of the season. Yeah, I think you just say, thank goodness. Thank goodness it wasn't anything longer because it's amazing how a player can have that instant impact and immediately feel like they're the must-play player. They're the player that you can't afford to get an injury to, and that's the way Diahade made a statement what I love about him is not only his trickery he's obviously extremely confident in his own skill set he's very tough to defend he's got a good soccer IQ but it's his arrival time at crashing the box as well we saw him with a couple of opportunities including that last volley that he took before having to be subbed out where he just arrives right on time and he crashes that back post one of our biggest criticisms with our wingers this season has been that they're not 
crashing in the box. They're staying wide and then maybe not following up with the opposition's delivery. While Diahare definitely isn't afraid of drifting inside and playing more centrally. We know he has a history of playing centrally as well, which makes him extremely versatile. And I'm just really glad he's back because, like you say, well, he was one of those players that just made your jaw drop with the instant way he was able to have an effect for this team. The backline conversation is definitely a heavy one uh, for a lot of factors. Um, Carujo has ridden the bench and not even been uh, put in the selection squad over the course of the last couple of contests. Uh, the constant switching of the fullbacks uh, with Oranen getting a lot of time but then being subbed off. Uh, Byrne having to switch sides, which has led to two unfortunate errors on Charlotte FC's side late in games. Uh, the curious case of Jalen Lindsay, who I thought you know really kind of came into form during the league's cup uh you've got three capable fullbacks and also uh you've got some center backs who are on the squad but not necessarily playing because of course uh this is a very very difficult decision that latanzo has got to make you can only play two of those guys uh how do you feel like charlotte fc handles this particular conundrum because unfortunately like we said earlier it has been uh the unfortunate uh bane of the existence of the club so far uh, at least in the last couple of contests I'd like to see us be able to stick to a back line for 90 minutes. And I know that sometimes you need fresh legs. I know sometimes you have forced errors, but it's felt like some of those late minute changes where we've had to switch Nathan Byrne to the opposite flank haven't really been forced substitutions. They've been tactical, 100% realize you wanted to give Jair the opportunity to get some minutes. And then maybe he wasn't 90 minute fit, but it just felt like those changes and shifting around positionally did affect us negatively. And for me, tactically if you don't have to change your back line why change it particularly when you're on the verge of keeping clean sheets which you haven't done for a significant amount of times I understand there's a lot of people that are upset about Guzman Corujo but at the end of the day with the way that Latanzo is choosing to play centre-backs you need one that's going to be kind of that brute force athletic reading the game well recovering well that's Adelson Melander you can't replace Adelson Melander in any capacity he's absolutely incredible and you know, there's a lot of um, of the MLS pundits putting out their top under 22 uh, players and Milan is making the list for a lot of them, which is a big statement considering MLS pundits don't often even mention Charlotte FC. So that just shows that he's undroppable. And then we know that he wants a stepping in position. Well, the only two players that are really technically competent with that style of play would be Privet or Derek Jones. And I like Guzman Carujo. He's a very good athlete. He's very brave. We know how incredible he was in year one. But from the small sample sizes we've seen since he's recovered from that ACL tear, he isn't quite at that same level. And he's not going to be able to remove Adelson Melander from the lineup. And I don't know about you, Will, but I don't think he suits that stepping into the midfield role that we've seen Privet and Derek Jones do with such easy adjustments. Yeah, he's very old school when it comes to being a center back, uh, which is not a bad thing. It just, just might not be a, a tactical fit for what Latanzio wants to do. And, uh, you know, he wants players, like you said, to be able to step in and join the rush and, and, and have the ability to, you know, take a shot and things of that nature. I think a lot of times we've seen Guzman go forward and a lot of times you feel uh, almost precarious with your defense because of, uh, the inability for the others to track back in that sense. So I think from that perspective, you're looking at a scenario where maybe he has, I don't want to say played his way out of the squad, but uh, I think just because of the way that they've been playing with this current game model, I think it just suits the other players better. Charlotte uh, unbeaten in eight of its last nine MLS matches, also five straight unbeaten at home, 
taking on a DC squad that has won three and two in the last six matches, although the one win uh, was two games ago against Chicago, a 4-0 victory. Uh, a tale of two games, though, in their last two. They played a scoreless draw against San Jose and didn't look all that uh, attack-minded. I do feel like, Jess, it's a situation where Charlotte FC has always played DC very differently. Uh, they've had a couple of 3-0 defeats in D.C. They looked a heck of a lot better against them last year at the bank. I feel like the same can be said for this one because of a lot of injuries. Uh, a lot of their back line is injured, and they've also uh, had an injury at the goalkeeper spot with uh, Tyler Miller out for at least the rest of the regular season with a shoulder injury, and they've having to gone to uh, Alex Bono, who is uh, – Basically, somebody who, well, Charlotte FC saw him last year as a starter, somebody who had lost his gig in Toronto. This is a very prime spot for Charlotte FC, and I feel like their form has to stand up against DCs in this one. It's about taking care of business, 100%. Everything has worked in your favor in this match, Will. You talked about how for the first time in forever, everyone was training Barvini Mello. That's a great sign for Charlotte FC, having that fitness, having that squad depth, having that momentum that togetherness you're well rested you're playing at home it's going to be a great crowd with the tickets being so uh so cheap this match we expect a big crowd coming in great weather you posted about you know 70 degree weather incredible for a match it feels like everything is lining up for charlotte fc to take care of business but they have to handle it you can't switch off you can't get complacent seeing that they've had to switch out personnel because any side that's coached by wayne rooney is going to have some sort of mental resilience and some sort of axe to grind. We know how Wayne Rooney was as a player. He tries to instill that in his team. They're going to play a high line. The goalkeeper is going to play sweeper. It's just going to be very important to try and capitalize on opportunities. And, you know, you want to kick it while it's down, right? It's a dead horse on the ground. They're not feeling very confident themselves when they're low in numbers. You have to really try and capitalize on that and get a quick start, which I don't think Charlotte FC's done good enough in many a game. I'm just hoping he has a safe ride back to D.C. with no points in his uh, in his toe, if you will. Uh, again, $15 tickets, as Jess mentioned, uh, for the upper deck. Uh, still some tickets as well in the lower bowl available as well. We're on the air 7 o'clock Saturday across the Charlotte FC Radio Network. It's on Apple TV, so uh, be sure to know, of course, that you can switch us with it being a home game. Switch to the uh, Languages tab and hear us uh, underneath the pretty pictures at Bank of America Stadium if you can't join us in the building on Saturday. Saturday should be a lot of fun with a big match concentration going over the course of the next week or so. They'll play Wednesday at home as well against Philly. We'll talk more about that uh, later on. And then a week from Saturday against FC Cincinnati, which would be a big, big contest, especially if these next couple go Charlotte's way. Jess, love that we had a chance to chit chat and I'll see you Saturday. And hopefully we're talking about a Charlotte FC victory. Needs to be six point to Willie P. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Charlotte FC, DC United Saturday, and you can join us on the Charlotte FC Radio Network.